0: Welcome to another episode of the Destination Linux podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 90 of Destination Linux. This is a podcast of opinions made up by three allegedly semi-intelligent guys, discussion our passion for Linux. I'm Rob and with me today is Michael. How are you, Michael?
2: Pretty good. Thank you.
1: Good, good, good. And Ryan, welcome, Ryan.
0: Thank you. It's good to be back home.
1: <laughs> okay, so Michael, what have you been up to this week?
0: I have been
2: working a lot on setting up some new recording setup, the things like that. But mainly here's here's a good story. Uh, so I was working on this product review for uh, for my channel, and I've been working on this one for a little while, like a couple months—six, nine months. <laughs> Nothing, not that. Maybe I don't know. Uh, a long time. But anyway, so I'm start. I'm doing the recordings, and it's perfect. And I, I've, I've, I've re-recorded the same thing like six times now. But I get to this part where I'm, I'm so ready. I'm getting. To, I'm going to edit it. I'm. I'm almost done. It's just. I'm so excited to be done with it. And then I realized that thirty percent of the audio for the video is in the webcam audio, and it's terrible. Nice. So I got to redo that part. Yeah, that's fun. So yeah, doing so videos. So this will be dropping
1: New Year twenty nineteen. Yeah.
2: At this point, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever the product is, you all can look forward to seeing it on his channel someday.
2: Some, it's going to be this yes. coming week for sure. Well, actually, yeah. it might have already been posted. We'll see.
0: Let me tell you, I've seen a preview of it. It's pure fire. It's pure Pure fire, fire. pure fire.
1: And they're bringing out the next version next week,
0: (laughs) (laughs) probably. Uh,
2: Who knows?
1: Hmm. And anything else, or just that?
2: Um, Well, there's a lot of stuff I've been doing, but mostly for as far as Linux goes, it's pretty much that—just making, trying to work on making some videos and uh, organizing some, you know, some new ways of doing the show. And I mean, if you're watching the video version, you'll notice that we have reordered the location of everybody including so whoever's going to be hosting the show will be in the first slot Uh, and as as you can tell zeb is hosting the show so he's in the first slot and it's going to be in uh, every time the host changes which is every week the the boxes will change as well so it just makes it a little more dynamic for the video and also because it makes it fun for the thumbnails to be different as well
0: it's going to be so funny when this video goes out and none of that's the case zeb will be over here (laughs)
2: that's it's all accurate I made sure before this before we started this morning uh Mm -hmm. yeah it's totally totally good sounds good great stuff
1: so Ryan I mean apart from not being here what have you been up to this week
0: yeah well I spent some time in Denver Colorado absolutely loved it had a fantastic time doing a -a code-a-thon with my team something we stole from the Linux community kind of knocking out some things from my real life job but when I got back I decided to drop a new NextCloud instance on Linode Mm -hmm. and set that up with QO Notes, Markdown Editor, and basically take all of the year, two years of notes that I had in SimpleNote and move it to my own NextCloud server as well as some media projects and things like that. Really just to do it because I haven't done it again, but also because NextCloud is now a snap package, which makes it super easy to set up. So basically you drop you know an Ubuntu server on you, know, you could use your own server of course but I dropped one on Linode you could drop one on DigitalOcean you install the Nextcloud server via the snap which takes mm-hmm. you know no time at all and then you do just very minor amount of configurations opening a couple ports those type of things and boom you're good to go they also have an Android and iOS app so it's a complete solution where I can upload media from my phone to the server. I can also upload obviously any text files or documents and things that I'm working on to the server. So I'm a big simple note freak. I love simple note. I've been using it for a long time, but you know, having your own server, having control over your own content and being able to have backups of that is really cool. So that is a super simple, it took me less than an hour to get from dropping the server to being done. So it's a very simple and fun project and you can learn a lot along the way. Uh, to go set up, and you can go with the minimal server for DigitalOcean or Linode, and it's powerful enough to run it. So there you go, Very Nice. And also, nice. The,
2: just the, the 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 way when I tested the first time, they was like, "Oh, it snaps for Nextcloud." Great. Like I, that's gonna be that's gonna be uh, like potentially easier. And then when I actually
0: used it, I was like, "This is this is so easy, it's ridiculous." Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever dropped the server as easy to set up as Nextcloud. And that would, by the way, I've done Nextcloud the other way. And it's not easy. Like, no. I mean, it's not hard. It's just there's a lot of settings and configurations yeah. and things you got to go through. The Snap just makes it so easy. Yeah, it's mainly just tedious the regular way.
2: But like exactly. the, the Snap way is just like, it's just Snap and stuff and you're pretty much done. Yep. It's, like it's beautiful.
1: Sounds like a good idea. So once my uh, simple note gets full up, I'll give you a shout and you can talk me through it. Sounds good. Yep. So moving on to um, what is rapidly turning into my favorite section of the show. Um, Ryan, can you tell us about our email
0: this week? Yeah, we got a beautiful email this week. I absolutely love it for multiple reasons. So I'm going to read this one here uh, kind of verbatim because it's short and it's to the point and has a lot of great information into it. So it says, hey, guys, I'm a longtime Linux enthusiast, and I just want to tell you a story that illustrates how great Linux is for the intellectually disabled community. I have a couple of friends that have some intellectual disabilities for the last few years. I have been their primary tech support person. A couple years ago, I started getting tired of reinstalling or fixing Windows literally once or twice a month for them. So I tried an experiment and put one friend on Linux Mint Mate. I showed him how to keep it updated, get software, etc. Eventually, he got the other friend to switch, and I installed the same distro. They both have full pseudo-rights. I've barely seen their laptops in almost two years. They've been able to keep them up to date and use them without any issues at all. They tell me often how Linux makes a whole lot more sense and how much easier it is to use than windows. One of them was even able to get into digital art. He got an ancient Wacom tablet from a thrift store that had no chance of running on anything newer than Windows XP. He's now using that in Krita to make the art that he could never afford to do otherwise. These are just some reasons why Linux rocks and Windows sucks. Anyway, keep up what you're doing. You guys run a good show. Ryan is amazing, informative, and he's humorous. Oh, here we go good. Oh what? Oh okay, yeah. I guess that was it. You guys run a good show. It's informative and humorous. All the best, Task Z. So that is an incredible email on so many fronts. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a situation here where an individual is obviously helping support uh, intellectually disabled community, which is amazing. You have mm-hmm. the situation where re- using Linux in place of Windows makes that job so much easier, and you have a situation in which. Linux allows individuals that may not have a ton of money or resources at disposable to use still fine working hardware, but outdated by Windows standards in a Linux situation to produce things. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. The,
2: the really not- cool about the Wacom tablet, because the Wacom tablet has, is like there's, there's so much work making those tablets work. Like there's actually a project specifically made um, that's cr- just, just to make tablets and even like esoteric tablets, or, like random things I've never heard of until I look, found this project where their entire purpose is to just make these types of tablet work with different software, like CRETA and stuff like that. So, so mm-hmm. that'd be of, do we put some, the the amount of effort that the community puts in is just is amazing. Even in like these, this small, like things you wouldn't expect to have that much effort in just like tablet support and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that he's now made them self-sufficient and hasn't had to go and tinker with anything for two years, that's just a testament to how you know solid and well Linux Linux runs. Oh, yeah. Set it up, leave it, and it just keeps going forever. That's fantastic. Yeah,
2: my favorite example of every time I switch someone to Linux, it's that they don't ask me for help anymore because I don't need to, <laughs> <And> it's <laughs> it's it's that's that's the best thing. Is like when people you know, what's the reason the reason to switch to Linux? is you don't have to hassle with all the kinds of issues that you would with another system. So Mm -hmm. that's the main reason.
1: Yep, Absolutely. That's great. So remember, how do you use Linux? Send us an email on how you use Linux and the applications that you have found to accomplish your work um, and send those through to comments at destinationlinux.org and you might find yourself featured in the show one week. So on to distro news, and unless you've been asleep for the last uh, three or four days, I think everybody's worked out that Ubuntu um, have now released their 18.10 beta, um, along with all of the other flavors as well, Um, and there's some noticeable features um, that they've included in there now. I mean, apart from the fact that they've got this weird name called Cosmic Cuttlefish, (laughs) still just but the
0: wallpaper looks good for this yeah it's a really nice wallpaper they really they whoever in the it was a community developed wallpaper probably but it was well well done whoever Mm -hmm. did fantastic work
1: yeah so what they're they're saying about this is they've now got faster installs thanks to the Z standard compression being used which is a compression algorithm developed by facebook gross faster uncompression of the data wow i can see um ryan's going to be no longer using your because it's got that facebook connection
0: yeah at first i was like that's disgusting why would we want to use anything for facebook but i guess they open sourced it and it's fine but you know just Mm -hmm. seeing that name in there in a linux article made me (laughs) it's like a vampire seeing garlic you know
2: (laughs) it is open source Um, so it's not as bad and it's actually a pretty good algorithm too but it, mm -hmm. it, it is annoying there's a few things that facebook makes that are decent like there's a they're, they're, they have a couple open-source schematic systems for like their enterprise servers and stuff. So it mm-hmm. it's not 100% bad, just like
1: 99%. Yeah. <laughs> and they've upgraded the kernel to 4.18, uh, which is going to come with a lot of performance and updates and hardware support under the hood. And I'm assuming that's going to be good for Team Red, Ryan?
0: It's going to be really good with Team Red. And in fact, I got a message in Telegram from the podcaster. I guess we'll name it now. I guess we can name him Martin (laughs) Wimpress because he's kind of redeemed himself from the moment when I went into his release notes and stuff. So I guess I have to use his name. So Martin uh, sent me a telegram and he's been lobbying for Team Red and he wanted to let me know that in Mate 18.04.2 and also all flavors of Ubuntu 18.10s, they're going to include a hardware enablement stack that's going to ship there. And basically that's going to provide better support for the AMD RX Vega GPU line and discrete graphics found on the Vega lines uh, throughout. So this is just more work that they're doing to make things run smoother and faster. And I'm assuming Martin got himself a Vega 64, which is why he put work into this. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he's been positioning this or pushing this for better support within the Linux uh, distributions in Ubuntu. And we will see that work in 18.10 I, for one, am super excited to see the performance gains that it gets with that. And so happy people like him are out there doing work to make it more compatible, to make it faster, to get the performance out of these cars. Yeah. Yep. And
1: I'm happy for you because you'll be able to see the sort of performance that I've been used to on Team Green for a while now.
0: Oh, wow. Wow, Zeb. You mean once you finally get to boot into the distro? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I wasn't going to get you let you get away with all that glorious... <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, it's really cool that they're doing this, especially the hard mo- the enablement stack that they're doing. Like it's been available in Ubuntu in general, but you have to activate it. The having mm-hmm. it by default is fantastic. And especially they're, they're porting it back to the, the 1804 version. So the, the, that's, you know, that's really cool that they're, they're putting that much effort into it because the, the like, I don't have a t- team red, but I want to. So yeah, when, it's going to be nice when I first install it. I don't have to worry about what Zeb did, dealt with absolutely (laughs) so but there's also some really cool things that are happening as well for other uh for you know specifically about the official like the proper version of ubuntu with the i know this is kind of silly but i i like i think it's important because it hasn't been changed in years so the 1810 version is going to get the new theme the yaru theme replacing ambiance and they've Mm -hmm. had ambiance i think like 10 years now something like that so it's really mm-hmm. nice, for, like to, to get an upgrade to like the, the modernize of the design, and it, it looks quite good actually.
1: Yep, it'd be interesting to see how many of the truly old Ubuntu users, though sort of wake up and freak out because they oh, this, is this Ubuntu? It's got these new <laughs> colors on here.
2: Well, thankfully, they keep changing the interface. So it's not, they probably already got that jump.
0: (laughs) They used to, yeah. Yeah. They get a new theme, they get new icon sets, and improvements to snaps across Mm -hmm. the board for 18.10, faster startup speeds, verification for publishers, which is a good thing, and snap mounts hidden in the system monitor. So you're not sitting there looking at dozens of snap mounts Yeah. system monitor which just makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. those those
2: were those were one of the things that people complained about just because they didn't want to see them anymore and i agree they were kind of weird but it's it's nice that they're they're taking care of that also it's good to point out that lubuntu is having a massive update for this in the next release for 1810 because they're switching to LXQt and they're switching to calamari's installer and all kinds of stuff so I look forward to trying out like what's coming with that.
0: Yeah, I know a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, I don't know the excitement level. Maybe some people want Lubuntu to stay the way they were or whatnot. But all of this change going on in Lubuntu makes me want to try again more than ever. Okay. And last time I was playing in the beta, I was super impressed. Again, the only thing I that searching that menu just gets me. But outside of that, uh, it was very, very stable and beautiful. So yeah. hopefully there's some work there. I uh, tried it
2: out recently oh. too. And I compared it to an arch system I had that was using I3 and the LXQ was lighter. Mm-hmm. Wow. yeah, That's awesome. But, I was, but I was just surprised. so you know,
1: Ryan, they have fixed the search in LXQT. It's now functional. And there's, I think they've now changed it so that the default is off. So that when you've done your search and then gone away and come back to it, the search screen is now Gosh. empty. That's
0: nice. beautiful. That's yes. beautiful. Yes. Yeah.
1: It was a right mouse click properties and untick it, but now it's off by default. So,
0: oh, that's yeah, fantastic! Yeah, now I definitely got to give it a go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: And of course, it wouldn't be a show without our next topic. So, away you go, Michael.
0: Well, of course, it wouldn't be
2: a show unless if, if Michael didn't talk about KDE in some way. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> the next topic is a KDE Neon has been rebased to eighteen point zero four for the LTS core. So it used to be 1604 and now it's 1804. And this is very much, you know, been long awaited by a lot of people, including myself, because I use both Kubuntu and KDE Neon. And it is, this is one of the things that I look forward to using. I haven't upgraded yet, but I have a lot to, you know, back up and make sure that I have ready to go for the next, you know, for the upgrade, because I'm not going to just do it.
0: Well, are right. you somebody who, is there a reason you're you're waiting other than, hey, I don't have time to do it right now? Do you wait a certain cycle after these release before you upgrade to them? Or do
2: you just... Well, okay, so not normally. like well It depends on what it is. Like if it's a straight Ubuntu update, those are usually fine. You don't have to worry about it. Because if it's just like Ubuntu proper, there's rarely is there an issue. Uh, the reason why I'm not, I'm, I'm waiting for this particular one is because I want to make sure I have all the backups that I need and well multiple backups that I need. Because if you go to there of the upgrade page... They have a, like when you go to the Neon website, there's a little link that says upgrade now. And on that page where it gives you the stuff, it'll, it tells you how to do it and everything. There's a section that says, you know, we, we took in a lot of consideration for the upgrades and everything. But if you're not, if you're using anything that's non KDE stack or non KDE application, that there is a possibility that your system will be messed up in some way and might not even boot. Uh, and because I've been using Neon for like two and a half years now, uh, I have a ton of applications that are not KDE <laughs> stuff. So I want to make sure that, you know, and they also say specifically PPAs, which I have a bunch of those, you know, so I want to make sure that before I do an upgrade, I have everything ready to go just in case.
0: Is there like <laughs> a general timeline though, that you, sh- you should wait before when these new ones release like KDE Neon, do they, do you, have you ever noticed a pattern of generally, if you wait two to three months, they'll work most, most things out. Or is it within a couple of weeks depends well, it, depend, it
2: the, depends on the distro uh, usually if you wait to, for the point release it's usually the you know that's pretty much what you do That's so the most stable that's yeah. the most like well the difference is um, when you, if you're going from LTS to LTS like Ubuntu, the point in the release is the one that they suggest that you wait for but if you are just going from the regular release to the to like the let's say you're going from um, 1710 to 1804. That will be just you can do it immediately because they've already tested it extensively and there's very and they're very similar 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 to each other other than like some of the core packages being updated so it should be fine Mm -hmm. to just go back you know back to back really quickly but if you're going from LTS to LTS there's usually a massive difference in the core so it's better to make sure that they wait for the point release and in terms of like um, other distros that are you know like Fedora that does it like once a year or so they are more of a like not really a rolling distro but they do have like the intent is to have it constantly updated as soon right. as the next one comes out you you upgrade so a few mm-hmm. of them like it's it's different for each one of them but i would say you could probably wait like a week or two just to say like the first bugs are addressed if you want to because there's usually a lot of people testing so if you wanted to that wait, was going to you know, be
0: that. my recommendation too is um the go to the bug reports of these and check out if people with similar hardware what kind of issues they're having whether that's a deal breaker you specifically before you go and hop because I know the excitement is there where you just want to oh it's out it's fresh it's new yeah but uh, mm-hmm. bug reports are pretty, pretty easy to go read through fairly quickly I think they have a couple hundred bugs out there right now that they're working on some of those are just submitted and they may not even be legitimate or one-off issues mm-hmm. some are legitimate so um, you know go check that out and make sure it's not something that's a deal breaker for you before you go and
2: jump over. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: You should definitely make
2: sure that you have everything but also to have everything backed up before you do it just in case because while it's most of the time when you upgrade your Linux system, there's not going to have anything go wrong, but there could be and there's no yeah. reason to not have a backup.
1: Mm-hmm. So. so quick question with with regard to these PPAs. Could you not simply comment them out um you know yes. you re- have you i mean before?
2: technically the upgrader should automatically turn it to- disable them just because the way that ubuntu <coughs> does it as well because ubuntu mm-hmm. will turn it off a- a- as automatically as well yeah and i'm pretty sure that the neon will is- will do that but the difference is um ubuntu has the compatibility with ubuntu is different from the compatibility with neon because they are basing like they're changing a lot of the core and while mm-hmm. they, they still support PPAs, they don't, like, they, they, they change enough and they handle, like, their own, like, they, they hold, they, like, the, the Debian controls, like, the cute packages, whereas mm-hmm. uh, K- or KDE Neon controls it themselves. So, the, there could be some differences between the two and stuff like that. So, yeah. it's just better to, like, I, I don't know if there's going to be any problems with the PPAs, so I can't really say for sure, but I think sure. my test will be, like a great test to see what happens because I've been using it for so long and I have so many different Mm -hmm. things installed that it could be, you know, if it works for mine, it will probably work for pretty much anyone.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, is, and is that because the Ubuntu PPAs normally have like a slash Xenial or a slash um, cosmic or a, and if they're rebasing on 1804, all of your PPAs will be Xenial based, I would imagine. It'll still be
2: Xenial. So it'll disable them. And once you re-enable them, it'll say use the cosmic one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by default, when you install one, it'll just pick whatever you're currently using.
0: Yeah. So when I saw this article, one of the things I started thinking about is Kubuntu versus KDE Neon. Right. And there was an article that talked about a simple way to think about the differences. Want to get your opinion on there, Michael. It says, Kubuntu provides a frozen snapshot of KDE technologies, often on top of a newer Ubuntu base while KDE Neon provides the latest KDE technologies on top of a frozen Ubuntu LTS base. Is that a good uh, comparison between the two? That's Yeah, it's
2: roughly about the same, but, but what it is, it's more of the, the Kubuntu is more of a stable offering, whereas Neon is more of a roll, like a rolling-ish offering. So like, the Kubuntu releases are going to be uh, more stable. So if you, want to, if you want to have Plasma and you want to have the most rock-solid version of Plasma you can get, that would be Kubuntu 18.04 and just use that. But if you want the latest version of Plasma, then you can choose whether you want to have an 18.04 core or you want to roll with the next version of the update for the main core. So like if you want to have everything updated at all times, then you could just go with every six months, go with Kubuntu. But if you want to use the core of 18.04, and have the rolling plasma, then Neon would provide that. Um, but mm-hmm. as far as like which one you should choose, it's hard to say because it depends on the user. Um, so if you if you want the most rock solid, I would go with Kubuntu. Uh, but as far as like my decision, I have no ability to make that decision. So I use both of them.
0: There you go. <laughs> You're like, I love them both so much. <laughs> I can't choose. <clears throat> yeah, so speaking of loving a distro a lot Solus 3.9999 iso refresh is out so while our good friend of the show ikey is completing his recent move from ireland and getting settled in there the work on Solus continues and that team has rolled out this latest refresh which makes it very easy to update your system when yeah. they do these type of refreshes because instead of having to sit there For 10 years, while it updates all of the changes that have happened since the first time they released the ISO, you've got this Mm -hmm. new fresh ISO that contains all those recent fixes and updates from the past. So definitely going to be welcome for the very beloved Solus in our Telegram group, because our Telegram group loves Solus a Mm -hmm. lot. Yeah, like it's definitely a lot of fans in there for there. So there are also some additional updates and refreshes in there. Zeb, any of those catch your eye?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always like to see, I because for me, Ubuntu is always lagging behind a bit on the LTSs. I like to see the latest kernels in things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that they're now shipping with 4.18.5 um, is going to be fantastic. And as soon as I come off my self-imposed non-hopping 30 days, um, <laughs> Solus is going to be the first one that I put back on there. Um, and look, Team Red again. They've got out-of-the-box support for the latest CPUs from AMD, although they do say Intel, but including support for high-core count CPUs like the AMD Threadripper 2. So, again, the kernel people and Solus are future-proofing their distro by making sure that all of this support is there um, before before it comes along. Mm. And then introducing intel gvt minus g support michael what's that
2: (laughs) well it allows you to virtualize virtualize your graphics card ah right okay or do well do use your graphics cards for virtualization essentially
1: Mm -hmm. and and let's face it most of us if, if we've got um a powerful graphics card very rarely use it for all that power and when you're just sitting there in your distro, you don't need it. Yeah. Obviously, you need it for the AAA games. So the fact that it can now improve your virtualization is going to be, is going to be great. So, yeah, I look, I'm looking forward to uh, installing that.
2: Yeah, is, this looks like a really cool release. And I'm glad, I agree that they, it's really good that they did the, the, the refresh because it's mm-hmm. before, I, th- I don't know if they did one before this, but I know there was a, at one point there was like a year between their releases for their ISOs. So there was like these, this massive update that you had to do. And right. like, I understand people who are already using Solus don't have to worry about those updates because it's rolling, but that when you first do it and you have to install all of these updates, like I think it was like at one point, like 700 updates or something. Well, mm-hmm. it's like, so yeah. that, that, that was uh that was kind of a, mu- it was kind of much. So I'm glad that they're doing that because I think, I think all rolling distributions should have a release of a refresh, at least like once every couple months or so.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And for all of you people who are out there panicking about where's Ike, where's he's gone, go and read the release notes and see how many times his name appears against something that's going to be upgraded. So if he's disappeared from Solus and he's not around anymore, who's who's creating all these updates that have been attributed to Aiki. Yeah, so exactly. he's there, he's in the background. He's just obviously not in a position to make himself known again. But trust me, I've been following Aiki for years. When he's ready, there will be a big splash. So yep. <laughs> enjoy the 3.9999... Did I it miss is, any nines there?
2: There's, yeah. there's four. I think <laughs> you got them all. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, so moving on now to my favourite subject, Windows 10. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. there's a new Linux. Hang on a minute, this is an, uh, an is it an oxymoron? What do they call it? A new Linux distro only for Windows 10 users. Hang on, is it Linux or is it Windows? Come you make your mind up. But apparently, Linux ish. Um, li- <laughs> Yeah, Linux ish. Um, they've got a new version of Linux uh, available for the WSL users within Windows 10, called W Linux. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to pretend that I even begin to know half of what they're talking about. But if you go to the W Linux website, they're they're promising to provide all sorts of faster updates and bug fixes because you're going to have to pay for this version it's not a free version um so they're going to be helping you keep your windows as your base but do an awful lot more on um the linux side of it so either michael or ryan is this i mean i don't think either of you um dual boot do you
0: uh obviously by my shirt i3 prodigies we don't dual boot but, but michael right. actually probably <laughs> does what I'll do yeah, that.
2: I will do. I multi-boot with oh various Linux distributions, not Windows. Oh, oh Windows. okay. So, so you're
0: not a filthy dual booter.
2: No, I don't use Windows uh, <laughs> pretty much ever. Uh, I did have to set up Windows for the hard the uh, macro keyboard that I use, but that's you know that was not a VM, <sighs> so I, have to, I didn't have to deal with actually mm-hmm. dual booting. But uh, this is I don't know why this is important to people, but I suppose like the getting updates to the WSL for some people would be good. I mean, I guess because if like, if you're a windows sysadmin and you have to also like administer Linux servers or something like that, that might be useful, Mm -hmm. but I don't know why you would care about this particular one to get all those tools. Basically, if you just have like the, you know, a a closely updated version of these software that pretty much all the tools will be available. Like it says, Mm -hmm. it's got Git and Python 3.7 and you know, it's got a ZSH shell and I don't think people who are not, uh. You know, if you're not already experienced with Linux, it doesn't really matter which shell you're using. So
0: I, I feel like it to me, this feels like they're just targeting people who may be unfamiliar with Linux, want to get it set up because that seems like the thing to do and and are gonna they're so used to paying for an operating system, the fact that they're charging for it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they're just gonna go in there and buy it. Because you could set all this up using the new Ubuntu um WSL with the GUI and everything for free. So, mm-hmm. in in the stuff that they're installing here is nothing difficult to install within Ubuntu itself. Um, I don't know. Well, this to me well, seems like it's just removing. It's it's just uh, it's just removing money from Windows users' wallets, like they're used to.
1: Well, what was interesting was I think I mentioned it before that I didn't have a clue what WSL was going to be about, and it was a very. Um, Good answer for me uh, by one of the uh, listeners, a guy called or a person called Bro Can or Broken. Um, and basically, he said, "Zebl, well, I can tell you the business wants WSL and this kind of integration with Hyper V and as a sysadmin for a Fortune 500 or Fortune 50 company. Let me tell you some of the reasons. One, support both platforms using native product tools, no third party software systems needed. Quicker troubleshooting which decreases incident to resolution times, allows admins to plan, develop, test and deploy solutions quickly, utilise the same hypervisor on desktop servers, allowing for migration from one of the other with no conversions. He said I could go on, but I think you I, I think you get the point. So there are people out there who are Linux enthusiasts that, that have to administer both systems. Mm-hmm. And they love this WSL, so I'm sure they're going to like WSL is
0: fantastic for them. This one, however, what we're talking about here, this paid for W Linux, is not necessary, right? You could go and just use WSL for free, install the Ubuntu GUI, like I said, and you'd be good to go. Here, it's based on W, to offer you a service of saying, "Well, we're going to update the WSL features faster than everybody else, based Mm -hmm. on what?"
2: Yeah, and also because it's based on something else. You know, are, are they going to just fork the existing De- Debian WSL version and then like patch it on top of it? Or like, how, how are they faster than if they're basing on something else and they're not doing the whole thing anyway? I would
0: think Windows would focus most of its attention yeah. on Ubuntu and the, mm-hmm. the probably does. platforms are already supporting within WSL versus, you know, mm-hmm. this. So I, I don't know. To me, it just it seems like a cash grab.
2: Yeah, it probably is. And uh, I think we talk about it enough on this show so let's go ahead and <laughs> let's skip it away
1: on. <laughs> move on to something that uh yeah. again our telegram users really really enjoy
2: oh yeah totally uh there's a lot of people who enjoy it and they're with a good reason but there's this to be specific this is a beta so we're going to put that out front but the release for uh, elementary os beta 2 is out so you can try out the juno the latest version of juno but it is definitely just so you know, it's it's beta, it's for developers only or testers and stuff like that, not for average users. And uh, this is not a review of any kind like that. But there are a lot of things that they've done that are, you know, because they're there's because they're doing the difference between even the difference between Juno one and Juno two are really nice because they have so much extra work added to like the code application for their code editing and things like that. So it's it's a it's a big it's a good jump to if you want to try it out, feel free. But it is beta. But it, like the mm. the amount of changes they have from Loki to Juno is like is very extensive.
0: Yep. So some of those features that they have in the beta are obviously design related, and that makes sense because Elementary is gorgeous, and they always focus on the design. So you got no, a new look for the folder icons. You'll notice if you decide to test this beta, uh, improved workflow in Elementary Code App, redesigned date and time indicator, and new housekeeping options where you can basically set how files are handled when they're trashed and set up a schedule to clear your files out. And there are a bunch of other improvements as well. Ultimately, this all leading to what will probably be an amazing out-of-the-box experience when it does come out of beta here soon, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is actually
2: kind of interesting because they've, they've announced that there's going to be some kind of like changes to the App Center for permissions about what applications are allowed. So you could set and say, I don't want to see applications that, or, you know, things that are maybe like not just applications, but things that are violate, uh, you know, for kids, for example. Like if it's a mm-hmm. if it's kid, if you're giving a, a piece of a distro for your child and you don't want to give them access to certain types of applications or whatever, you can set these permissions to set it up. And that's, that's yeah. a pretty cool idea. Yeah,
1: Nice, nice. Um, and it's also good to see that they're uh, continuing to try and make Um, high dpi improvements although they are saying that at the moment they still haven't got um, fractional scaling uh, which if you've used a 4k monitor is is quite important because you know the jump between one one and a half and two um is is Quite profound, and sometimes you just need a little, those yeah. little steps. So, hopefully, they'll be able to continue uh, to, to work on that. Um, and they've got some improved photo editing dialogues as well. So, that's uh, we'll probably interest our guest from last week. So, maybe they can have a look at that. And something that's music to my ears is LVFS dropped from the default install. Um, now I'm thinking, if, is that the logical volume support LVFS?
2: I think John? that's the I think oh. that's the um, the way that did the firmware upgrading, I guess what that is, but it might not be. Oh right
1: okay I'm not yeah, sure I don't remember
2: because the, it, it they didn't really say exactly what the initialism stood for because mm-hmm, there's yeah. multiple ones that use that.
1: All oh, right, okay well then we'll we'll drop that subject and uh, move swiftly on.
0: Well yeah, <laughs> I think it's the the one thing I want to mention is uh when the elementary officially drops or the latest Juno. When it officially comes out, Uh, I will be off Telegram for the next week and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's all everyone's going to talk about for that uh, time. Probably. (laughs) No, it's very (laughs) exciting. We're we're excited to see that. And I know a lot of people on our Telegram are as well. So there is competition coming, Michael, for beloved Caden Live in the form of Open Shot. They have been doing lots of updates recently. I think they've made it into a couple shows, which is... Prior, before that, they pretty much never made it to show because there wasn't really uh, many updates going out. So it's neat to see that team really stepping up and adding new features here. And one of those new features that are coming out is animated video masking. So I don't do a lot of masking work myself you can tell in my videos <laughs> uh there's no there, there's nothing fancy there is that something you use michael on a
2: regular basis yes i do video masking often uh it's it's, it's mainly for like uh, key things out and stuff like that and it also allows you to have um, multiple layer videos but not having to edit the videos directly but then merge them together so it looks like they're you know they are one video but they are just they're actually two different ones separating and you don't have, but you don't have to edit them uh, prior to doing it, and that's a that's a nice way of using video masking, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they're referring to how they're referring to animated video masking if that refers to uh, matte transitions or not, because they, well, the way they describe it is not very because like there's really well it says it
0: has to have sufficient grayscale
2: for it to work. Well, see the weird thing about it, about that statement is that most video masking uses a, a black and white just opaque colors and Mm -hmm. it's because like the black is automatically uh, disabled and then whatever's white is what's visible and that so the grayscale I'm not really sure what they're referring to other than like wipes use grayscales and stuff but um, there's there is a concept called matte transitioning which you know a couple months ago I did a talk about Caden live and one Mm -hmm. of the things I talked about was matte transitions in the at at the at the in the talk Uh, unfortunately I you know, there, there, there was some technical issues, so that, that video has not been put up online yet, or I'm not sure if it will be ever. But <laughs> uh, the, one of the things I talked about is matte transitioning, which allows you to have a one video that is like a video masking, where it has uh, the, the white uh, opaque layers, and then it has an actual like transparent section. So instead of the black, it's just transparent. And what it allows is that you have two videos sitting on top of each other, and you use the matte transition to go from one to the other and then from the, the whatever the one that's on the bottom all the transparent values are showing the one on the bottom and then the opaque values show the one that's coming up to the next slide on the top so like you can transition from one to the other with any kind of animation whatsoever using a mat transition so it makes it a lot like there's a, so much potential you can do with that and if that's what this is that is fantastic because that is a very powerful tool for editing
1: mm-hmm. and now i know why i just broadcast live because everything you just said then <laughs>
0: right over here. yeah i mean definitely broadcasting live though has its own uh corks uh, mm-hmm. for sure but uh, editing can be really difficult caden live has been my choice i've tried to go to open shot before especially recently as they've done their updates and there's no specific reason why um i couldn't use open shot for my videos it's just i'm i get in there i can do the stuff and figure out the cuts and the you know, overlays and things. But at the end of the day, I just, I've gotten so used to Caden live as my, you know, uh, video editor of choice here. Mm-hmm. But I am still very happy to see them adding in new features, reliable exporting, fixing for zooming, uh, title file name, duplication, waveform display rendering has been improved, better FPS. So they're they're doing a lot of great work here. And if you you're not stuck on a specific video editor because you've gotten used to it, like mm-hmm. myself, then check out OpenShot. Check out Caden Live. See which one you like, like better.
2: Yeah, OpenShot's pretty good for people who are novices as well because it's it's like a very simple uh, approach. Whereas Caden uh, Live is more focused on like the power user, like you know, getting right. professional editings and stuff like that done. So like with OpenShot, there's they they've been it, adding more and more powerful features as they go. So if you, but it, but it's really mainly focused for the the, the, the novice. So mm-hmm. that's actually, for a lot of people, that's all they need is just to, you know, cut out a couple bit, bits and then render it all together. And if that's what you want, then that's a perfect solution.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, something else that sounds good as well, and I'm glad this particular topic has come up because I've, I've wanted to ask uh, both of you guys, um, you know, exactly what they're used for. Um, but Purism launches a Librem key. And yeah. what this means is that Purism has launched a new product called the Libram Key. This is due to a partnership with Nitro Key and is said to be the first and only secure key to offer tamper evident protection to laptop, laptop users. And then it goes on to say that the Librem Key is an open PGP smart card supporting up to 4K-bit RSA keys and 512-bit ECC keys. These keys are intended to be used as basic security token functions. What do you use them for and why? <laughs>
0: you want to take this one, Michael, or me?
2: Well, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and get like, the basics, but since you have more experience with actually using them, you can go ahead. and But what they do is allow you to get, like, it's, it's more of an authentication system so that you can log into a system without having to, one, you don't have to remember it and you don't have to type anything in. So you don't have to remember anything, you don't have to type it in, and it's also specific to that particular key. So if you ever, like, if you lose that key, then you will never be able to use it again and you log in for your SSH or whatever. But mm-hmm. it also means that if someone, if you were to if you were to lose it or you were able to, someone would steal it, you could replace the keys and deactivate a particular key, and that way the, you can have it guaranteed that no one could tamper with what you have because uh that it's because it's specifically to that piece of hardware if you do not have that hardware it will not work so it makes it's a lot it's a more it's a much more guaranteed method of two factor authentication than using like a text message or whatever
1: right so would that if your laptop was stolen would that make it virtually just a, a big lump of metal
2: or if you have it set for your login yeah pretty much yeah it would be wow and it's especially if you have it set to like um Control the BIOS if you want. If, mm-hmm. like if you want to have it where right. even getting access to the BIOS requires that key, it would basically make that uh, just a giant paperweight.
0: Nice. So these are these are super cool. So this is the one we're going to talk about a little down. This is a version of YubiKey. Their version, the Purism one, looks like a little thicker version of this. And essentially, if you've you know recently in the news, Facebook had 50 million accounts hacked. Right? Mm-hmm. I told y'all. <laughs> I told you to get rid of your fade. Nobody listens to me. But anyways, uh it, it was it was hacked. And one of the things that they did when they hacked was everybody utilizes their Facebook account to log into other accounts. You know, when you go to that website and they're like, Do you want to use your Facebook credentials to log in? And like, sure, because that's easier. I don't want to spend 10 seconds typing out a username. That's too difficult. I want to use the Facebook one. So people do that. And so once you kind of get access to one password. They've gotten access to not only your Facebook accounts, but every other account that you use to log in with Facebook. Now, Mm -hmm. these things become a little bit more difficult if you have two-factor authentication set up. So, for instance, let's talk about Google for a second. You know you can go in there and you could set up a two-factor authentication with your phone in which you have to type in a code after you type in your password. Well, going to your phone and unlocking it and getting that password and, oh, it's ticking away and I've got to wait for it to refresh to get the new password to type it in can take a little bit. Whereas this key, if it's plugged into my computer, I just put my finger right there and boom, it does the two-factor authentication immediately with that device. So the other thing that's really cool is, listen, uh, you can get a little necklace To loop through it and you can have a yubi key on you at all times and that is official geek swag right there you can wear (laughs) it around your neck and look awesome right there so you have usbs on your keychain and a yubi key around your neck uh, but also you've got the two-factor authentication using NFC. So if you have a phone that has NFC enabled and you touch the YubiKey to the back of the phone, you can use it to unlock phone apps as well. So wow. there are a lot of other uses for these mm-hmm. things more advanced, such as SSHing in the servers and things like that for authentications that you can add in as well. But I think most people, uh, you know, most average users would utilize this for the 2FA authentications and mm-hmm. much, much faster. Yeah, most, most
1: and I guess for sixty dollars, if you've just spent fifteen hundred pounds or two and a half thousand pounds on a an on a XPS fifteen or something, that additional security that that little key would give you is got to be well worth that that, that sixty dollars. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean it's it's
2: a very like it's it's not expen- it's not that expensive considering how useful it is and how convenient it is. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would point out that the. The the demonstrations that Ryan was talking about is not for the Librem key because the, I'm pretty sure the Libram key true. doesn't have NFC yes. support or anything like that. Uh, but the, so if you wanted to do that with your phone, like it's really cool. Like if you had if you didn't have NFC, you wouldn't be able to use it to open apps in your phone. But with NFC, you just hold it next to the, the, the to your phone, and it can, it can automatically do the exact same thing if you plugged it in the computer. So it's a very nice. it's a very cool. A solution to having it's it's a much more secure method of two-factor authentication than passwords would be and mm-hmm. because it also allows you to have a one-time password system where the mm-hmm. the key yep. itself will in, like automatically push out a one-time password so you could set up those passwords to be Um, use to log in like just so like once you use it it'll no longer allow you to get in so like it's even more secure in that way
0: yeah that could unlock your disk encryption the screen unlocking and the purism one specifically uh, allows you to it it basically has a tamper indicator and i'm not quite sure how it triggers yet but basically it will let you know if there was tampering done to your laptop so if Mm -hmm. you stepped away, let somebody borrow it. I don't know, had it in an area where it was publicly accessible. When you plug in the key, there's a little light on it that would indicate that your laptop's potentially been tampered with. And Ooh. so you would have that notification, which is pretty
2: cool. It's something to do with the BIOS, having some security software on the BIOS. So if anything changes without the key activating and getting into the BIOS, it would be like not into the BIOS, but getting into the computer, it would mm-hmm. be like what, what you're before you, what you're expecting. So once you plug it in the like, before the computer even boots, it would be just seeing if there's anything different like on the bits from the BIOS. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really know exactly how it works either, but that's just basically how they explained it. The $50 nice.
0: to $79 for these keys is well, well worth it, as Michael said. Think about if you go and buy just a stupid gold necklace that does nothing, <laughs> Right. that's going to cost you 150 200 bucks here you get the swag and you get use out of it right you can wear it around i'm going to have one of each a purism and a yubikey hanging from my neck speaking of which michael yubikey was not going to be outdone so they launched a new version of their yeah within like just a week or so right
2: like it was very quick so they they announced the yubikey 5 series and this is really cool because I like the like when they this they get a video like describing what it is and it's just it is they're not even saying anything it's just like showing you like here's what the Yubikey 4 was like and here's like the Yubikey 4 NFC and then another version of Yubikey 4 and they just stacked them as like now they're all one Yubikey 5. So you get there like you if go. you just get their basic the even the lowest price version of the Yubikey 5 has NFC in it and has a bunch of other things like the the multi protocol supporting thing for like the FIDO2 now and stuff like that. It's 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 a pretty uh it's a pretty good offering because it's like it's it this just this this YubiKey five like standard version is really cool but they also have the nano version which is like this ridiculously small key that just yeah. when if you put it in your computer it, you could barely even see it's
0: there you might be able to wear one of those as an earring it's so <laughs>
2: small
0: <laughs> you probably could.
1: I look forward to seeing you wearing one next week, then, Ryan.
0: (laughs) How's the earrings and the necklace? Yeah, I look beautiful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. So with all this security um, going around as well, it wouldn't be a show without us bringing you another warning. So, Ryan, what have we got to be on the lookout for now?
0: How about a UEFI rootkit found out there in the wild? Um, Yeah, so this is an extremely dangerous tool. Uh, has been found out there in the wild to basically attack the UAEFI um, and it's apparently extremely hard to detect and able to survive most security measures people would take such as if they found out they were compromised they would let's say replace their hard drive entirely, or wipe it, and yet this would still be there because it's attacking in your boot sequence. So some UEFI rootkits have been presented as proof of concepts, but apparently this one discovered actually has been tested and has been proven to do what it says it will do, and it's created by a notorious hacking group, Sednit, which was also made major headlines for the attacks they made against certain government entities uh, during the election. So these individuals have a track record of knowing what they're doing, and this stuff being out there in the wild means other people can get a hold of it. So maybe you're not a political target, but you may be the target of some other hacker or otherwise that wants to go out there and you know basically get your information. Um, so this is a pretty, you know, serious threat out there. Mostly seems to be targeting Windows users, but Michael, be, being that the way this code is operating, I'd assume yeah. we'd be just as susceptible in Linux.
2: Well, in terms of, like, once you're infected by it, yeah. It wouldn't really matter because it doesn't. it's not a part... It's a part of the BIOS, essentially. Well, the part of the UEFI. So it's a UEFI module. So once that's loaded, it doesn't matter what operating system it's running on. It would still affect you. Uh, but... Mm-hmm. It's 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 unlikely that you'll be attacked by as as a Linux user because they have to first get it access to your system and then put it in there. Uh, Windows, there's there's other issues that Windows people are having that it's more effective to get to the, to infect them. So it's that's why they're saying that there's it's more likely if you're a Windows user. But it's not to say that you can't be affected by this. You totally can. And there's other you know there's, there's other issues that you could What be if that Purism
0: to? key would detect it as oh. tampering.
2: That pro- Yeah, it probably would, actually. It, I think
0: it would. That's interest interesting, well. yeah. Yeah, that's, that yeah. is an interesting point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it probably would. There, there are other ways you can protect yourself as well from this, such as using Secure Boot, which I haven't used in a while, frankly, because it's never been compatible with Linux distros that I've used. But Zeb, you were telling us Peppermint is leading the way. Probably others as well, but you know Peppermint for sure works. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, one of the first things that I did when I joined uh, the Peppermint Forum back in September of 2015 was uh, uh, the developer was asking for somebody who had a Windows UEFI machine with secure boot and would they mind trying to install, um, I think it was Peppermint 7 at the time, uh, where they had obtained all the necessary permissions to, to run under secure boot. And yes, it works. So if you're not a distro hopper, but you are dual booting, um, Windows Gross. and peppermint, um, and as you said, it's been t- t- three, three coming up for four years now since they first, um, you know, introduced all of this. So there's bound to be a number of other Linux distributions that can use Secure Boot. Yeah. Um, but most of most of you, if you are distro hopping, then you're going to have that one that doesn't use it. So I would guess most of us have set Windows up without Secure Boot. So that all the other distros do work. But yes, you can run a Linux distro with secure boot on. So you'll be you'll be safe there. But it seems like it's gonna be a hard one to do because I don't think I've updated the BIOS on on any of my machines since I blew up a, a machine back in nineteen eighty five. I realised that <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that technical. Thankfully it was a work computer, not my own one. So I just I just oh, yeah. went to the boss, oh sorry, cover it don't work. <laughs> yeah. And it was what did you do? Nothing. I just switched it on, honest. Well, now the
0: boss knows
1: the true story. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, I don't think um, he'll be sitting there watching this. He was never into <laughs> Linux. Although, what was interesting was some of the guys that I used to work with back then in, um, you know, the mid the mid eighties and the early nineties were already starting to get into Linux and showing us some of the stuff that they could do with grep and orc and all the rest of it. And it was it Very was amazing cool. even back then. So yeah. let's be let's be careful of of yourself out there and just keep an eye out for these nasty people who are trying to take over your machines
0: yeah so the reason why secure boot works in this case is because the rootkit they're using is not properly signed so it would throw up a flag and not allow it to work also updating as you mentioned Zeb your your BIOS uh, could help mitigate this depending if your manufacturers released uh, patching for this specifically so that is some options there, and BIOS flashing has become way more um, simplified yeah. and reliable yeah. than it ever was in the past. I know mm-hmm. I was the same as Yusev. I worked on computers. You know, we owned a small computer shop with my dad all my life, and when we'd flash the BIOS, it was like pray. You'd be fighting (laughs) like, oh gosh, if something goes wrong. But honestly, uh, in flashing BIOSes so many times with new hardware recently, I've never had a single problem since. And you can get certain boards out there um, now and it's starting to become standard that have... A backup BIOS chip in them in case you mess up your core BIOS so there are lots of awesome things out there to make it a lot less scary than it used to be and also
2: now most of them are just you just plug in a USB Drive and that's how you update the firmware so it's correct not even that big a deal like it's it's used to be torture now it's you know it's 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 only a big deal if you have a
0: power outage in the middle of it so get a better backup (laughs) yes (laughs) have that yeah you should
2: you should have one of those anyway I've actually had a motherboard yeah. where it fried while the power went out, and it was a like a defective line. The entire line had that problem, so if it just yeah. power went out while you're using it, dead.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice, it's fun. Good, good, good. <laughs> okay, so I just want to put out a, a, a disclaimer now that the the next section of the show, um, the Zeb you know and love, has been abducted by aliens and replaced. <laughs> um, so this we next won, section, folks. we won. This next section, um, this is not me caving in. This is one of those one <laughs> yes. in a million games that comes along. That's quite good.
0: Oh, what was that, Zeb? I'm sorry, my audio cut out. Can yeah, you see no, that? Again?
1: I've, no, I've got a sore throat, mate. I'm getting a bad chest.
0: <laughs>
1: so we've got a game called Megasphere. Yeah. Um, and it's been updated for Linux. So Megasphere is an early access action and adventure game that has received a lot of acclaim for those who love side-scrolling metroid like adventures you now, could just us- put
0: everyone there because <laughs> yeah who doesn't love metroid yes, yes
1: um <clears> i've never even heard of metroid but anyway <gasps> well, yeah, i yeah, I, I can remember back now. in the day playing something i think called galaxians where you had a spaceship that started off on the left and things ran at you from the right or came at you from the mm. right and you had to yeah. dodge up and down and shoot them and i thought oh god here we go it's going to be one of those
0: <laughs> especially and when you it, saw your name by it right <laughs> absolutely
1: <laughs> but, but then i played the video um mm-hmm. and the first thing that hit me was the soundtrack and i thought yeah i could I could zone out to this and listen to this music while I'm, while I'm getting shot every two seconds. Um, And then we got onto the graphics and although it's an old fashioned platform game and it's really small and in your usual window where you're moving along, it's not pixelated. It looks a lot of fun. I'm not a lover of platform games per se, Um, But it looks like they've put an awful lot of effort into this. And and I have to say, it might actually be something that I will go and have a look at and and try and play it because it looks fun. Ryan, have you played it?
0: it? I haven't played it yet, but we won, folks. We won. We finally converted Zeb into pixelated games. I got to know, Zeb, when when you were scrolling through the document and you saw your name by a game, what was your first thought? That well, read, son of a gun did it again.
1: Well, I read the fact that it was a side-scrolling <laughs> Metroid-like Avenger, and I thought, oh, God, here we go. Doggy Festo. <laughs> and, then, and then when I opened it up, and as I say, and I got hit by the soundtrack and all the rest yeah. of it, I, I still will continue to point you back to the disclaimer. Normal <laughs> services will be resumed
2: next week.
0: Don't, don't worry about that disclaimer, folks. Now, I was thinking about Dark One when I saw this because he loves those cyberpunk games game so the based post cyberpunk action platformer game there are lots of new uh elements each time that you play that get in there there are tough enemies uh that they have that get stronger and stronger you've got upgraded weapons you've got that beautiful sci-fi look with pixel art but beautiful pixel art like Mm -hmm. zeb said it's very very well done you could tell that while it's uh playing to that pixelated nostalgia they've taken the most current Kind of technology to make it look in coloring and things to make it look beautiful, and you can actually tell things are what they are instead of just mm. circles or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> or gorillas. Like yeah. Five
1: gorillas like last week. Yeah. <laughs> what I also liked about it as well is it looked like that. I'm pretty sure there were some sections of that video where I saw where you, you actually had. To sort of like grab your enemy in a tractor beam and throw him at one of the other enemies to yeah. blow them both up to get past. And I thought, well, that's that's unusual because no- normally you just have to shoot the hell out of everything and try and get past. But this, <laughs> this way, you know, you were swinging on ropes and having to move stuff around and you couldn't get past that section until you yeah. worked out this little puzzle.
0: Yep. So it yeah. wasn't
1: just a random, you know, Bang, bang, bang! You're dead forever. It was you had to start using your brain. So yeah, I'm going to give this a go.
2: Yeah, platformers yeah. on rails that you that you just keep going and going are are not are not. I agree, those are not, not as fun. But the this style of having a puzzle element to it is is uh, is one of my favorite types. Like I'm a big fan of platformers and side scrollers, like you know, trying and stuff like that. They're fantastic. I, yep. I I'm also a big fan of the next topic. Because this, I am just a fan in general of the, of the, the, the genre, as well mm-hmm. as the, the style, like the stylized of the art, and that is Fantasy Strike. And Fantasy Strike is a fighting game, like Street Fighter, but, and it's mm-hmm. also, it's like a nice cell-shaded uh, art style, and you have like, um, like, each different character has their own special powers and stuff like that, so it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's very similar to Street Fighter. Uh, but this is this style is one of my favorite things. But the fact that we have very few, if not just one, maybe this is the only one I've I've seen. But There's there, just a handful of them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But this is so very few fighting games, and I am a big fan of fighting games. So what I was this is really cool about this is I looked at this uh, this video review that these people did about this game, and it was the people who made the game went to a uh, like a Street Fighter tournament and had them play this. And the, oh wow, yeah, a lot That's of the players, a really
0: smart idea, yeah,
2: and a lot of people at the at the tournament were like uh they were they were having fun, they were like having fun and went back and kept playing it, and they were like, uh, if you added a competitive mode, I would be completely in, it's like yes. I don't know if they, I don't know if they're if they're working on that or not, but they they say that they have intent to add it at some point, so
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so this is an early access game as well it's got 161 very positive reviews on here i think it's fantastic art style i love the character selection with the various Mm -hmm. you know powers each individual has everybody looks you know very unique and has some unique abilities there and they kind of tout it as no matter what other fighting game your friends love try have them play this and See if they love it as well, because it looks like they just took a lot of the great ideas from other fighting games and implemented it here. Uh, so yeah, I definitely will be picking this game up. It is on my watch list, and uh, it's about 19.99 currently uh, for the early access. So either I'll wait for it to go on sale, or for it to come out of early access but a uh, mm-hmm. very cool option here there's actually yes. one of the things
2: that one of the people that was interviewed about it they said that they they love the idea that it was really easy to get used to playing the game and it was like the style was intended to be like easy to pick up but very hard to master mm-hmm. so like that that, that, that adds an extra element to it so like it's not just a button masher
1: yeah, great stuff so now we can leave the twilight zone <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm back what happens uh, what, what just happened
0: yeah. zeb you ended up falling in love with a pixelated game so there you go
1: no i'm I'm gonna have to watch the show back because i can't believe that for one minute (laughs) i must have caught a virus or something ryan how can i stop getting a virus
0: well you know how you can stop getting a virus installing clam av which happens to be our software spotlight for the week that transition was beautiful that was beautiful well done man Uh, that, that was pro right there so clam av Um, So a lot of times there are claims out there that I'll see in certain reviews or just on certain distros, frankly, I've seen it even on distros putting the page that Mm -hmm. allude to the fact that Linux is immune to malware viruses. And while it's very, it's less susceptible than Windows and other operating systems, it's not really true that it's completely immune to these malware or viruses, right. which is why things like Clam AV exist. This is a really good solution because it's extremely lightweight. You can run it completely through the terminal if you want, and the commands are not difficult at all. For instance, to update the database uh, for it is just sudo fresh Clam, and boom, it updates the entire database of potential threats and things for it to search through. But you can also install Clam TK, which is a nice GUI interface, If you want that, you know, ability to just click on graphical buttons to do scans in certain folders and things like that. But it's just a good idea overall to have one of these on your system. And for Linux, it's Clam AV and it's open source. It's beautiful. I use it. Do any of you guys use an antivirus or malware software? Not typically. Perfect. Mm. Now I know what I can do to (laughs) infect you guys. Well,
2: I also use (laughs) Linux, so it's okay. Uh, mainly because i like it's the, immune right no it's not immune uh it's i agree with that part it's not immune it's not invulnerable and it's not impossible to get a virus but it is incredibly unlikely mainly because of the way it's structured so if you if you accidentally accidentally download a virus and mm-hmm. it doesn't have executable permissions and it, you didn't activate it it's not going to activate itself so what's mm-hmm. the
0: point of downloading stuff if you don't give it pseudo rights and executable permissions right
2: well, I mean, some people might accidentally click a link in, a, in an email or something, and it would be you know, yeah, that go. kind mm-hmm. of thing. But even if it gets on your system, it's, it can't do anything because it can't run. So there's that. But overall, yeah. I think that it's uh, this is it is a fantastic piece of software, and also the, the what it's a lot of people use it for as far as like system and stuff go. They use it for um, scanning Windows computers and stuff. So from their Linux machine, so they yep. can have it, uh, and they can even I think I'm pretty sure they can scan over a network too, which is really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But but it's it's really it's a really nice piece of software, and they put a lot of effort into like their marketing for it and stuff. Like I noticed that like very few. Like especially command line driven applications put a lot of effort into their marketing and have like a nice um like logo and really good website their and stuff logo like that. is like, awesome isn't right? it? And it the is. website's so clean like it's, they did a
0: fantastic job on this yeah and i realize
2: that it's, it's kind of a silly for me to point it out but like a, a piece of software that's like driven by the command line is like they put that much effort into the polish of way they, the way they present it like i just gotta applaud them
0: for i mean that. let's be honest half of the open source websites out there look like they were made in the terminal so when you do see this it is
1: (laughs) well i'm sure i'm sure they must watch the show as well because that's the exact same face that ryan pulls whenever (laughs) he's researching um let's get a game for zeb this week and this little (laughs) devil comes out and it's yeah we'll we'll get him so they must have they must have been prompted by you on that one yeah i love it
0: absolutely and so the other thing this is used for is scanning your mails and various archive formats that it goes through as well. It has a command line scanner, uh, advanced database updater, virus database updated multiple times per day, all of this. And you can donate to this uh, project, but it's otherwise free. So that's quite amazing when you... Think about how much these things end up costing and generally they're on a license like the one the mainstream ones you get for Windows computer where you're paying every single year or every six months to get those updates and they're doing all of this there. So if you do use it consider donating to the project because it's amazing. You're saving tons of money using it either way. And it's a very powerful tool.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds, sounds good. Um, another powerful tool, but unfortunately it doesn't work on Ryan's games, um, is something called xKill. Um, and whilst Linux is very stable, um, there are times when you need to kill an application that is working incorrectly. And before I came across this command, um, I used to be one of those people who used to go around. I'm sure it was a pretty stupid way to work it out. I would load up HTOP, find the application that was at fault, find its ID, then drop back to a terminal and do a kill space minus nine, and then the the UID. Now, I'm sure there's a much quicker way to do it, but hey, you know me. I'll, if there's a difficult way, I'll Good find point. it. And then, and then someone pointed me to xkill, and it's like, yeah, run that command, click that window, done. So, yeah, it's a fantastic um, command. As I say, it will kill frozen windows. It just won't kill... Pixelated
0: games. <laughs> <laughs> It'll kill any window on your machine immediate, immediately with forceful termination of that window, utilizing a crosshair. So you type in xkill, you get a little cursor, you move it to whatever window you want, you click on it, poof, it's gone. It's like a little it's, mini game too. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess you're right michael I never thought of it like that yeah it should have a little score thing at the top yeah exactly how many you, windows. Yeah, how many you've killed today yeah <laughs> so it, not only time. is it a great application it's fun too <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly that sounds good you,
2: you'll like to kill a lot of your applications <laughs> yeah, Just for fun.
1: yeah. Um, okay well what was also fun was this week's show but unfortunately we've reached the end um, so that's the end of another very enjoyable episode. Um, so, Ryan, have you got a little message for us?
0: Yeah, big thank you to each and every one of you for the support, for watching us, for listening to us, however you do it. Thank you so much for really standing there beside us and helping us get through all the transitions that we've had in the past. And now we're skating forward with some beautiful content that you guys uh, seem to be enjoying, but that support means so much to us. So we really appreciate it. And also a special thank you to our telegram group and all those leaving comments on the YouTube for supporting other individuals who come on the show and do interviews and things. Recently we had Wendy on and people blew up. Mm -hmm, Like I came back from vacation and gone to telegram and all I saw was Wendy, 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 Wendy. I'm like, more popular than the rest of us, <laughs> but it's actually beautiful. It's amazing. I love seeing that type of support and yeah, um, encouragement, and we really appreciate that. And Zeb, how can they get a hold of us?
1: Well, as usual, um, we have our comments at destinationlinux.org. We have our um, destinationlinux.org forward slash contact where you can find out all of the social media outlets where you can get us on the Telegram group, Discord, Google+, Twitter, et cetera. And I will just reiterate, send in your emails, ask those questions. We can't necessarily get every single one on the show, but we will pick one, maybe two some weeks if they're, if they're noteworthy, um, and just keep, us, keep them going because we do find them very, very enjoyable. And also the fact that you're taking time to engage with us means that maybe we are doing something right. So that's really, really appreciated. Keep them coming.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And also what needed to keep coming is the uh, liking that smash button. <laughs> and uh, actually a couple of times someone commented recently, you're going to screw up and not, you're going to say smash that like button. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm saying liking that <laughs> smash button. <laughs> and also if you would like to uh, see the show live, you can experience it by go- becoming a patron by going to destinationlinux.org Patreon. And if you'd like to help grow the show, you can, you know, send out some stuff for social media and stuff like that. So you could uh, post it on Twitter, Facebook, if you have it, even though maybe you should and Mastodon, things like that. So we would appreciate that a lot.
1: Nicely. Okay. So everybody have a great week and remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination.
0: Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye.
1: Welcome to episode ninety of Destination Linux. This is a podcast of opinions made up by three allegedly semi-intelligent guys discussing our panics, <laughs> panics. <laughs> passion for Linux, our
0: panics, our panics. You know what makes me scared? Spiders. Spiders make me scared. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you scared, Michael? Freaking dancing over here.
1: That's because I say words <laughs> before I get to them when I'm reading them. So I was I was saying the word passion, but reading the
2: Talking
0: about her <laughs> totally freaks me out, dude. <clears throat> Sorry.
2: <laughs> we need to take a photo for the thumbnail since we're gonna be. Oh, this okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Thing. Can we just get my shirt? You can
2: if you want to. I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah. Are we gonna get a position right here? Huh? Huh?
2: Huh? You, you gotta huh? you gotta make up your mind huh? first. Huh?
0: There we go. That works. There you go. (laughs) All right. So, patrons, you can unmute. Turn on your video cameras if you want. Hey, it's (laughs) Dark One and Wendy. uh... Actually, we can't record this with Wendy on it. She's becoming too popular, Michael. Yeah, she's, (laughs) uh, she's... She's putting us in there, like,
2: but making us, like, just like the secondary characters of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Shade (laughs) Throne. (laughs) Yeah. That was, it it was
0: a great, it was a great interview. It was. (laughs) Yep. We even got emails about it, you know, talking about they want more content like that. Oh, awesome. said they should feel
2: free to get rid of Ryan and just have, her, have Randy <laughs> I don't recall that part Oh, oh, okay my bad. Yeah. I must have read uh, it, right. uh, Ryan properly. But
1: you do always remember the bit in the email where they say Ryan's a great contributor to the show <laughs> it?
2: Yeah, it's always <laughs> you know, email, It's weird
0: <laughs> It's going over and over right now How many pieces of wood do they need to cut? They're cutting PVC How much wood and can and a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck chuck wood?
1: Or, the harder one, if a gumball could boil oil How much oil could a gumball boil if a
0: gumball could boil oil? wow who comes up with these things <laughs> i don't know why would a gumball boil oil silliness absolute silliness it is None. weird because it can't boil oil unless it, the gumball is made of metal which yeah, then would make it not a
2: gumball it depends on what you mean by chucking though as well that doesn't make sense is it like there's chucking a word for chewing or is it a way for like for them to pick it up and throw it like how much could they throw so like it doesn't make sense either
0: but it makes more sense than a gumball boiling oil. Well, yes, because I mean, what, theoretically, a woodchuck could chuck a piece of wood. What if whereas... the gumball is a part
2: of the boiling, and that's how what, how they boil the oil through the gumball? What Make no sense. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>